This is Bumping Into, where we have interesting conversations with people from all walks of life. And welcome to Bumping Into, I am your host Francis Popular and on this episode we are speaking with Rusty Brown of Electric Mary. Those that are listening to this podcast are probably going to be divided among those that know Electric Mary and love Electric Mary and those that don't yet know Electric Mary. The short version or I suppose the easiest way to think of Electric Mary is that they are probably the best band you've either not heard of or one of your favourite bands. Uh, They're a dynamic mix of some of the best, most professional, seasoned musicians that Australia has to offer. They've they've developed outstanding success overseas in through Europe and other parts of the world. A tagline often associated with the band is rock and roll the way it used to taste. Uh, But I'm going to go one better than that because I think it tastes better than anything that's been before it. One of the best sounding bands you will hear. And this episode goes into the mechanics of the music business. It's a great episode for anyone that's in a band, especially a young band that's coming up and through. We talk to Rusty about his, his origins uh, and then how the band started and some of the experiences that he's had, the sound. They've got such an incredible sound. I'd encourage anyone into music to listen to any of the Electric Mary records or albums, uh, especially their live stuff. It's just an incredibly thick, rich, dynamic uh guitar drum orientated sound uh often referred to as classic rock and and as you'll see uh rusty says some people throw them into a heavy metal category but this is as straight out rock and roll as you can get it's it's basically if you took all the best bits of classic rock and threw a supercharger on top uh and hit it with today's um dynamic sound and tightness that's what you'd get outstanding vocals look they're just such an underrated extremely talented group of musicians as a whole as a collective Um, and we we go right from Rusty's origins the band's origins into the music business Uh, we talk about the sound we talk about all of the different aspects of life in the music industry as an Australian band I guess and then discovering fame overseas so there's a lot that you could take from this episode if that's your thing and you're into this industry. I think it's it's quite valuable and quite interesting. Rusty's a great guy to talk to, but I'm going to let Rusty do the talking. And apologies for the sound quality. So there was a, a combination of errors and a combination of things that were going against us for this episode. Rusty was crook the week before. I got stuck uh off-site and and had to do this episode remotely where I was so the sound quality wasn't great there's a bit of background noise but overall it's a fantastic interview and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it I'll see you on the other side Rusty hey hello how are you mate yeah good mate how are you going wait are you feeling all right are you still feeling crook (laughs) I still feel crook man um just just the um like the lethargic part of it. Oh, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> lucky you got the last few shows of the, the tour in before you got crook. Yeah, we did actually. The, we did the very last one and I was I was sick on the Tuesday, I think I started. 
feeling sick. Um, yeah. Geez, that's lucky. <laughs> I, I, I did walk. I did walk around in the cold in Ballarat with a wet shirt on for you know twenty minutes. So maybe it was that. I don't know. I don't know. How do you catch it? <laughs> yeah. It's a bug. Yeah. True. Yeah. But look, while I got you, what I wanted to do. Um, if you're keen, is I wanted to go back to the beginning, beginning of, of how you grew up yep. and then how you evolved into, into what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. So, I, so if, you, if we go back to, I suppose, you know, probably teenage years is probably, I suppose, the most mm-hmm. uh, important time is when you're getting into music and where you live and all the, the things that sort of impact that. Yeah, like I grew up with... Um four brothers and sisters or three brothers and a sister uh we didn't have a dad that lived with us just a mum and i i did a lot of hanging around with my older brother who's about nine years older than me i learned a lot of um from him back in the you know late 60s early 70s when i was a kid a kid when you're sort of getting your um, wow, your learnings of music, I suppose. Um, I learned a lot from him just listening to the stuff he listened to. He, he played drums back then. He plays drums still now, but he, he played drums. And, um, yeah, I used to listen to a lot of his records while he was out. Don't tell him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Billy Thorpe was a huge one. Joe Cocker. Sorry, I got the dog trying to play games with me. Um, yeah, Chicago was a big one. He listed Black Sabbath, Jimi Hendrix. Um, I, I must have listened to Made in Japan, although I'm not quite sure what year that came out. But I do remember where I first heard In Rock, which was a, a family friend's house. And I remember the mother saying, you know, just go in the room and play records. I wasn't very old, but I heard in rock of Deep Purple and I just was blown away. Um, uh, Speed King, when Speed King started, it was like, wow, wow. It's, yeah, it's to this day, I I hear that and I just love it. Absolutely love that song. The the Made in Japan albums, that's aged really well. Like it's still a great sound. It's got heaps of grunt behind it and bottom end and it's, it's got all the makings of a good album still. Well, a couple of years ago, I think it was, uh, 221, maybe to the end of 220. I did a recording course with Kevin Shirley oh, yeah. and he remixed, um, made in Japan. I didn't know that. Um, I knew that he remixed, Come taste the band because I love his mix on that. But he remixed um, "Air Made in Japan" and he played me "Black Knight," which apparently is not on that record. I should know that, but it's not on the record because Blackmore made played a couple of bum notes. But um, Kevin Shirley reckons he fixed them up, but Blackmore wouldn't let them be on the record on the remix version. But he played me the song, and and you know believe it or not, I had tears. I had tears because I was listening to something that possibly not a lot of people in the world are listening to. I'm sure, I'm sure it probably equals a few hundred somewhere along the way. But, you know, when you think about the world of 
rock music and Deep Purple. Yeah. Um, you know, I was pretty chuffed and it was pretty good too. Oh, man. I, I don't know why, you know, Richie Blackmore's Richie Blackmore, so he can do whatever he wants. But, um, yeah, he just didn't want it on the record. But, yeah, Kevin Shelley was right. It's, it was really good. Um, he, he covered up the two notes. He probably took them from somewhere on Pro Tools and just put them, you know, back into the song. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, loved it. Loved it. So when when was your first, when you first got into it, what was your first band that you played in? <laughs> How's this for a name? Ice. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> ice. Oh, God. Um, yeah, I was not very old at all, maybe 13 or 14. Oh, right. And, uh, and um, the kid at school said, you know, I, 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 I was in a play at school and he saw me and he, he came up to me and he, he was kind of the cool musical kid at school. You know, you had the sportsman, you had the musical kid. And uh, he came up to me the next day. He said, you're in my band. I saw you last night. You're in my band. And I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. We're, we're still mates now, actually. We're still mates. Yeah. Um, and is, is this all in Melbourne? Like, did you grow up always yeah. Melbourne boy? Yeah, yeah. He actually had a bit, he had a bit of success um, during the punk era. He had a band in Melbourne called La Femme. He was a guitarist of them. Oh, they did they did some good uh, work here, not overseas as so much, but in Melbourne they did. I mean, you know, in that era, say seventy seven or seventy eight, you know, people just went and watched bands. That's what they did. Yeah, yeah. Every day of the week, each weekend, it didn't even matter. Bands, bands could have a draw crowds of three or four hundred and not have a record deal. That's incredible how it's changed so much. Oh, it's, yeah, it's mind-boggling. But, but, you know, people have moved on from that. And I saw someone the other day, don't mate, the dog. Um, (laughs) I saw someone here, he's looking at me. I saw someone the other day on a, on a, a YouTube thing and he said, you know, the kids can just open up a computer now and make music yeah. without learning anything. And some of them are very good at it. You know, um, Jack Jones, who, who played in our band, went on tour with, um, oh, geez, I put on his name now. He's from New Zealand uh, many, many years ago. And he, he made his record in his bedroom. He, he sold 10 million copies of that record wow uh, and his sister his sister was famous as well i've forgotten his name now i went on tour for a few days with him um so daniel no, beddingfield daniel no studio time just was. it was all made at home he made the complete i mean he obviously knew how to do what he was doing but yeah, yeah. he made the whole record at, at home and it sold 10 million records. That is yeah, incredible. Daniel Beddingfield and the, Natasha Beddingfield. That's what their names were. Yeah. She was famous after him. Because mm. yeah. 10 is... million 
records. And 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 virtually no overhead to get it made. <laughs> <laughs> he just did it all himself. Wow, oh, that's incredible. How, how are you going to do that in your house if you're a you're a rock band now? You can't. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So when you, you you, so how was there much that was sort of big stuff for you before Electric Mary, or was it was it was that the big turnkey when? you know, you hit the big stage was when Electric Mary started. Um, I had another band before called Mr. Brown, which Jack was all, Erwin Thomas was also in. And Venom was in it from Mr. Brown, uh, from Electric Mary. Um, we did a little bit of work in Canada and we signed a deal, but the company fell over, unfortunately. And we were going to, chase the sun it was going to work it was going to be like six weeks in canada sorry six months in canada six months in australia six months in canada and yeah i was looking forward to that but that fell over and once the record company fell over i'd started writing songs with the Irwin thomas project and then i joined that band and then we did a whole bunch of work. So I was the bass player of that band. And then Erwin was in, you know, we kind of just swapped roles, I guess. You know, he became the guitarist of Electric Mary and I became oh. the singer. And, and you know, because I was writing those sort of harder rock slash deep purple type songs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's where that came. So... In answer, a long answer, winded answer to a short question was the biggest thing I've done is Electric Mary, yes. But I have done smaller things in uh, Mr. Brown. We did a few good things. We, you know, we got picked up by Triple J and stuff like that in the 90s. Um, but no, nothing like Electric Mary. Electric Mary really is all based around playing live though not so much songs on radio or anything yeah we don't really have that kind of success although you may be, may be able to help me here i have no idea but we've just passed a hundred thousand monthly listeners on spotify now i really don't know what that means <laughs> I, or i don't know how it can help me in other words i mean most of our a lot of the listeners come from america oh right we don't play in America. So, you know, that's anyway. interesting. So that's, that's amazing yeah. that your listenership is coming from there and you're not doing the tour circuit like you do here in Europe. No. Yeah. That's really yeah. strange, isn't it? And is there a reason you haven't gone over there much? We have been to America. We tried because our, our name comes from America lady, Mary Campbell. Her name is electric Mary. Um, so we stayed with her in just outside of New York and we stayed in New York, uh, maybe three times, like a few weeks at a time, maybe one time it was six weeks and we did some recordings there. We just didn't, we just didn't have the infrastructure and we're not really like a New York kind of band when you think about it. Uh, that New York thing was mainly probably, you know, the Strokes or Kings of Leon, that kind of sound. Uh, okay. We, yeah, yeah. we are probably more of a, 
an LA or somewhere yeah. else. You'd be closer you to know. LA sound for sure. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. But yeah. you know, sometimes we get lumped in heavy metal and I'm like, really? Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, it's, it's very much your, <laughs> your flat out rock sound. Yeah. I would say, um, yeah. Uh, I always think it was blues based rock, but yeah. we're not yeah. blues based. No, yeah, there's definitely that, there's that, that blues, that soul, that undertone, that thumping undertone that is from the blues house as such. And then you've just hot rotted it, side pipes, supercharger on the top. (laughs) (laughs) Triple throated wetters. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I reckon how you'd explain the sound is it's, it's definitely got the blues um, DNA in it, but it's, it's got a lot of other stuff too. Yeah, we've got we've got I guess we've got a, an eclectic um, kind of rock stylings within the players of, of our band because and we're all different ages. Um, Pete and I have a few in common, like your status quos and the sweets and that kind of seventies English type yep. thing. Where Alex is. A, Alex is another 10 years younger than us. So he's more of your Metallica era bands. Oh, right, right. Um, you know, which is not my thing, but, you know, that's where he comes from. Um, and Brady, Brady's more of a blues rock guy. He's a Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh, okay. He's actually just done a... He's done a record with the drummer of Stevie Ray Vaughan's played on um, five of his songs. So he's just recording them at the moment, which he's quite chuffed about because he's a big Stevie Ray Vaughan fan. The great thing about, um, uh, well, there's no great things about COVID, but one of the slightly appealing things about COVID was people were able to get their heroes playing on their songs because their heroes weren't working. Yeah, yeah, true. Another mate of mine got Steve Gadd to play drums on his songs because he simply wasn't working and he could <sighs> just do them from home and everything started to go flow through the internet. Yeah. You know, yep. he, he, he sent five songs to Steve Gadd. Steve Gadd played on them, sent them back, and you take it from there. Same with Brett, you know. He got, I don't know his name, now Whippet, something Whippet. It is, um, yeah, he played on his songs. And they just sound so, you know, as soon as the drums start, you just go, wow. Yeah. You just know it's somebody. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I mean, lots of people play drums and lots of people play drums really good. This guy plays drums really good. You yeah. just feel it straight away. Yeah, um, Mellencamp's old drummer's got that effect too. I watched a show on him. I watched a show on him. I never really dug him. I thought he was, it was very snare. <clears throat> oh, okay. The, yeah. the glasses. And the glasses and yeah, it looks and super trendy now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And I watched done a this, lot. Uh, he's done a lot. And I yeah. watched this YouTube video. And when he explained his drumming technique, I completely washed everything away that I'd ever thought before. So this, when he was a kid, he was a he played in orchestras, the you know, bomb, yeah, bomb, that's right, bomb, yeah, yeah. Bomb. Yep. And so his tech, 
technique of hitting those drums just flowed through into his rock. Oh. You know, if you listen to he, um, what's his name now? Look him up, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> his drumming is that style, exactly what he spoke about. And that's how he's grown up. And he was a kid getting, you know, um, at, at university, winning awards for being this, I don't want to say a timpani drummer, but he might have been. Um, yeah, and he's flowed into it. And he was doing, he was doing that stuff too. He was having people send him songs. He'd do two or three songs a day oh, right. for people and they'd pay him whatever, 500 bucks or a song or whatever it was. Wow. And yeah. all of a sudden, people were getting great players playing on their songs and especially drummers because once, you, once they've laid down a great drum track, well, that's, that's the beginning. That's your uh, bed. You, you, can, you can do that forever. You can just play whatever you want forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Until yeah. you get it right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Kenny Arnoff. That's who we're talking about. Kenny Arnoff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's him. Yeah, because I, I remember I've, I read his book years ago because he's got he's quite into like philosophy and that sort of stuff as well. He's very yeah. he's a real switched yeah. on sort of guy and he's even played in like real hard rock bands and um yep. yeah, yeah, which yeah, I I, he, I reckon that's pretty cool. He's, he's very diverse. Yeah. So he still plays with um um, from Credence. Um, oh, John Fogarty. John Fogarty, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think him and Mellencamp had a blue. Mellencamp, I think, had a bit of a falling yeah. out. Yes. Yeah, yeah is... Johnny, Johnny Mellencamp looks like he could do that. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got... Takes no prisoners. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, with the, the story behind the name, Electric Mary. Yeah. So yep. that was named after was a lady that was working in the studios where you were doing some other work? No, no, in Jimi Hendrix studio. So I was playing in Earl and Thomas band and we were in New York. We were doing a, uh, playing for um, Sony BMG reps. Um, and so this Mary said to uh, Jack slash Earl and Jack Jones, uh, would you like to come to the Hendrix studio tomorrow and have a look through? You know, and he asked me, do you want to go? And I said, yeah, no worries. I'll go. First of all, I said, no, stupidly. And I said, yes. And we went there and she showed us through the place and she told us magnificent stories and like the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up. Because I was thinking, I'm in rock history right yeah. here. Like the people that have been here, Lennon, Bowie and, you know, Carlos Salamore wrote Fame here. She told a story about um, Axl Rose bringing in a book because he was playing the piano on November Rain, I believe, and he brought in a book that had a photo of the piano and where it was while Stevie Wonder was playing on one of his oh. records. So he wanted the piano placed in exactly the same position for him to play November Rain. And, you know, she, yeah, she just had great stories. I just, and, you know, she said to me at the end of the day, um, you know, he, this is me down the bottom. She gave me a card. She said, that's Electric Mary, stay in touch. And I went, yeah, it's a good name for band. And the story, that's where the story started. Oh. That was April the 14th, 2003. I know exactly when it was. Jeez, it's almost yeah. like the, like it's a, it's a birth of something. 
It was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing. And and we went to this uh we went to um like a little pizza place after that. And um we we ate and whatever and then we went to, to a couple of secondhand clothes stores to look and I went to buy something. I went, oh my God, where's my bag? And I went back, you know, it might have been half an hour later. And I went back to that um place and my bag was still there with all my money my passport Jeez. everything was in it yeah just under the table where i left it stop so so you, you know keeping assembling the guys you've got and and because there yeah. is something special about that sound you know when mm-hmm. when um it's just next level. And I know a lot of it is to the professionalism, like, you know, you're top tier musicians and, but yep. how, how hard is it to find those guys? I mean, it, it extremely I, hard. I would assume it have to be. Yeah. It'd have to be. Cause they're not going to be extremely hard. They're not everywhere. And we've had a couple of good people come in. And one of my favorite, um, uh, guys in the whole of this planet is Dave Leslie from Baby Animals and he's oh, played yeah, with yeah. us a few times and he's a phenomenal guitarist and we we're just sitting down one day and he goes you know when I play with you it's scary it's like oh what do you mean he goes you're actually like a a jet fighter and you can't just hop in it because you're a pilot you know what I mean yeah, you have to be something special to to it's next drive level. it and run it. Yep. Yeah, and I said, yeah, but man, you're Dave Leslie from the Baby Animals. I don't yeah. know what you're talking about. I mean, I don't play the guitars, so I don't know what he's talking about. But he's like, yeah, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. You have to bring this other thing. And I'm like, okay, wow, yeah, that's and I, and I suppose, and that's you know, oh, I love that coming from him yeah and i suppose that's why when a lot of people see us um especially for the first time we have an effect on them you know where they're like wow wow i mean because when you know we're not young kids either you know we when we play we mean it yeah it's you know as soon as you step on stage it's on yeah because you know it's 24 hours in a day, as they say. And when you get to play, there's only an hour and a half of that for yeah. your music. So, you know, come, come armed. Yeah. And, you know, and, and do it's, things. It's, it shows like it is, it is, it's, um, you don't know how you can summarize <laughs> it, but there is certain bands like um, Billy Thorpe was big when the minute he walked yeah. out on that stage and started, when he used to start, um, and he'd come out and do that that good time song, um, and it was just the volume, the feel, the attitude, just everything. Yeah. And it, and it used to people would be like they were stunned ears and the headlights are like shit. I've never heard this this sort of sound, that energy, that force before. Um, and like even the early, well, not so much early, even right up until the early two thousands, I, I reckon the Screaming Jets had that about them. They had that yep. real raw bottom end. It was just so aggressive. And it, was, it had that real, mm. like, like there was, a, yeah, the amps were angry and they're trying to scream, you know, it really yeah, had that yeah. about it. Um, but not many bands do. And even like guys that are younger, you know, younger than you yourselves and, and older, 
I don't think it's just an age. I think there's just something extra that, that you have. And, and, and luckily like you, yourself, um, you keep pushing that forward where you look at a lot of other bands as they get a bit older, they back the gain off, they simmer down a bit. And it's like, well, if you've come to hear a V8, you want to hear a V8. It's, it's, that's why I've turned yeah. up, you know, and that's, yeah. um, that's uh, what you guys do. Funny 100%. You should say that. That's funny. You should say that I went to um, Sandown race course in Melbourne. It was a few years back now, but there were no, they were all turbo cars. They, oh. they were, <laughs> they were holes and boards, but they went all went. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. I was like, Where's the... <laughs> yeah, you know, because funnily enough, my older brother—that's where he used to take me when we were kids oh. to see people like driving Mustangs and Camaros and Monaros and that—and that's the sound they made. Yeah, and the smell, like you remember it. As soon as you yeah. smell that smell again, you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm yeah. here, this is real. Yeah. And the yeah. same as when bands start like that. I got that feeling from um, when we did the Under the Southern Stars tour. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually got that feeling from Rose Tattoo. Like, I like Rose Tattoo, but now I love it. It's like, yeah. Wow look at you guys are just doing here. Yeah. And Angry's 74 and yeah. he just goes out there. <laughs> he goes, right, here I am. This yeah. is what I do. And, and I think he sounds better now. I reckon his, his voice sounds better now than it did, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. I've stayed in touch with the drummer, Paul DeMarco, and he's oh, the drummer, man. And he's an old school drummer. He's played with a lot of people. Yeah. Stevie Wrights and uh, yeah, Billy he's Thorpe. probably done us. He's done us thing yep. with Thorpey as well, yeah. Yep. And when he played, you know, because drummers are my thing. Uh, I like drumming is, you know, that's what gets you. That's what you feel. Yeah. You know, I often say to, I have this little uh, business called Be Inside the Circle yep. where I mentor people. Um, and the thing I try and, say to them a lot is you know you got to get the rhythm section right because if you don't have a good drummer you possibly won't have a good band yeah i'm sure there are some that will have bypassed that situation but you know they always said that about um you know peter chris that he was no good but soon as he didn't play in kiss it didn't sound like kiss anymore like he had the kiss sound that was the thing, whether he was good, bad, or indifferent, yeah. he had that thing. But as each band, you know, especially with Kiss, because they've had a few, I'm sure they just love the way it sounds now, though, because it's probably solid now. Like yeah. they can just do anything they want, and it's there. You know, lots of bands have lots of changes. But if you keep the drummer in like Deep Purple, Ian Pace still plays great. He's 72, 73 years old. You know, he's a killer man. You know, and and talking about tone and the sound of things, your the EP or the album you guys had, the lost tapes of um, Hell Dorado. Oh yes, yeah, yes. alive in Hell Dorado. So is alive that alive in Hell Dorado? Is there a story behind that recording? Like, because I yeah, know there is certain, certainly is. We 
uh, guy said, look, I can record you for 300 bucks, 300 euro. And uh, I said, oh, yeah, no worries. But you got to give them to me. you got to make sure that I keep the tapes. And I put them under my bed or whatever. And I was just cleaning a bag out one day and I found them. Well, I didn't have a way to play them, so I gave him a peep and he rang me a couple of days later and said, man, you might want to listen to this because it's actually pretty good. I'm like, really? Okay. So I was at a place called Haldivado. That's where it was. It's in the Basque country. And, um, yeah, so then Alex, our bass player, said, you know, let's, let's see if we can get the machine to mix it. The machine did a few albums by Clutch. You know the band Clutch? No. Man, I'll have to look them wow. up. Wow. They're from Detroit. They've been around for oh, no, 25 years. Oh, okay. All right. I'm going to them up. I, I, oh, they're, they're incredible. Um, they had a um, show at Melbourne at the Corner Hotel. And when they walked down the stage, they looked like five guys who worked at Bunnings. And soon as they started, it was all over, man. They're they're incredible. They're yeah, they're they're a big band, man. They're a big band. Let me look in my phone and I'll tell you what to look up. I know yeah. the first song I ever listened to. Um because there's a rule in our band that who's ever driving the car gets to play the music. So I happened to be driving one day and I was listening to Queen. And Alex doesn't like Queen or he doesn't like the sound of Freddie's voice or something. Um, <laughs> well, in saying that, he's like, who's this playing Stone Cold? Uh, uh, what's it called? Stone Cold Crazy. Stone Cold Crazy, which is a Queen song. Yeah, and it sounds and then, a bit different to a lot of their other stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But he knows the Metallica version. Oh, right. And he goes, who is this? I said, this is Queen, man. It's their song. He goes, no, it's not. It's Metallica. I'm like, nah, <laughs> this is a Queen song, man. So he was devastated. Devastated. <laughs> he didn't understand. He was devastated. No, this can't be a Queen song. I said, it's a Queen song, man. Okay, I'm looking up Clutch for you. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you what to listen to. All right. Um, okay, yeah, let, me, let me go through Clutch. There we go, Clutch. That would be uh, Robot Hive Exodus. All right. And listen to a song called The Incomparable, Incomparable Mr. Flannery. That'll be your first song you listen to. All right. I'll check that out tonight. All right. They're really good. Their riffs are incredible, man. All right, yeah, really I'm going to chase that up tonight. Mm-hmm. And so, what is it? The same, the same guy that mixed it. The your these live album. a couple of their albums, yeah, mixed our live album. Alex found oh. wherever he was, and um, I've sent met since met him. He's a lovely guy. He's, he's called Machine. That's it. That's what he's called, Machine. Oh, right. He's a cool dude, man. That that album is. Mm. Is incredible the sound quality for for yeah. it's one of it would have to be out of I know it would upset a lot of people here create a lot of controversy but I would challenge anyone to find a better sounding live album by any band of any caliber yeah. or of any budget because it's just got 
it's just so it's the closest thing to being there that I've, I've experienced. Yeah. It is absolutely 300, incredible. 300 euro. But that isn't, that's, that, that was like winning the lottery. That, that's, not, <laughs> that's not how much it costs to mix it though. It was more like 10,000 American dollars. When they were oh, like, wow. No, really? I it, no, I think it, no, I think it was about, uh, it wasn't that much, man. He didn't charge us that much. I think he charges seven, thousand american dollars which probably wasn't much then and how long would it have taken him to do it um well probably you know a week i guess i mean there's back and forwards because we don't live in the same time zone yeah so he would send a song and we would like yeah can you just maybe pull this back or that and in the end he just did them the way he thought which was the best way because that's why you get somebody to do something do you know yeah, what I mean? True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so he had his we had his rough idea between us and him, and then yeah, he did it. Now, if if I was to if anyone's to say, oh, you know, what's your best record? I would say that too. I oh, would say okay. get alive in Helderado because it's has bits of everything we've done, yeah, and it's a moment. It's yeah. it was actually done over two days, but I don't even know how many songs are on it, maybe 11. I think all songs bar one came from the second day. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's a real, that's a real moment thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it, the, the sounds, the collection of songs, uh, that should be, that should be put somewhere as one of the greatest rock albums of ever. It's just, a, it's an incredible album. I, I don't think it, I, I don't know how you could top the sound and the feel that that album has. It's I'll just take amazing. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think other bands should listen, other be it bands or be it producers or whatever, should listen to that because that should set a benchmark because it's, it's blown everyone else out of the, out of the water with how good that came out. So it's, you know, yeah. which is my next question I was going to ask you is, is defining, in the music business as yourself, as a writer and a performer, defining success, what, what is, you know, when you, you stand back and go, Oh shit. Yeah. That came out good. Is it, is it album sales? Is it after a show? Is it the reaction of a crowd? Is there a thing that for you defines that that was a success? Yeah. For me, it's really easy. Um, Each person in our band would be different. Of course. Um, I was just going to mention about the records because record sales, unfortunately, don't count with us because we've never released anything through a major label. In fact, we've never released songs in America. So to me, wow. tw- 12 or 14 years of songs that's just sitting there. Americans know us because of Spotify, yeah. but we've never released. See, that's the easiest thing for them to do now. That us pay for Spotify and they just get our records for free. Yeah. So yeah. they've never had to buy our records. We've never had, we've never been released by a major label. They've always been small record labels because of no interest or whatever. But um, I really feel like, like I had, um, and I don't even know this guy, but, uh, he's the bass player of Brett Michaels' band. Um, 
so not poison, but the Brett Michaels band. Okay. And he messaged me on Facebook and he goes, I can't believe I don't know you guys. Like I listen to a song and then I listen to another song and it's better than the one I just listened to. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, we've had a few conversations since then, but yeah, I just like, thank you, man. You know, he goes, you know, he's incredible. That, that is, that is something that I was going to quiz you on also is for, for yourselves, for any, any band, who, who's pushing the cause in America? Who's, who's taking whatever is happening now, be it, you know, be it someone that's like uh, airborne or be it someone that's, you know, one of the newer, lesser known bands, but is there anyone doing it? Is there anyone going over there saying, look, this is what we have. This is what you're missing out on. Not for us. Airborne are doing pretty well over there and in Europe as well. Um, but no, there's no one for us in America. We've never found anyone that's, you know, I, I believe we're a hidden treasure. I mean, yeah. we had 100,000 listeners. We just topped 100,000 listeners on Spotify. But again, I don't know what that means for us. Um, definitely someone may find us one day. Uh, we own all our records, so, you know, they, they don't have to take it. If they thought they had to retrieve them from another record company, that might be a bit of a a poke in the eye for them. They might not want to do that because it's a headache. You know yeah. what I mean? But we actually own all our own recordings and all our records. They're all ours. Um, so no one pays us. We just do distribution deals through, oh, you right. know, small labels and, you know, as it is now, it's a Spotify world. But I mean, there's other there's other, other countries that don't use Spotify. They use other things oh, that right. we're probably we could be well out there as well there, and we just wouldn't know. We just wouldn't know. I, I just find it like America's such a a big market, and we as Australians, we get everything whether we want it or not. If it's if it's you know somewhat big over there, we're we're going to be exposed to the American way. And I just sort of think yeah. there's, there's going to be people out there. Like for me, when I discover something new, you go hunting, you're looking for it, you know, within that yeah. flavor of what you want, you're always looking for something and you sort of go, yeah. it, 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 I, in a way it's like, well, I almost feel bad for them because they're oblivious of how much talent yeah. we, we have here. And, and, yeah. you know, our, our, you know, whether you call it the pub rock sound or whatever you want to call it, but it's, um, then none the wiser. And if you're into it, you're missing out on it. Yeah. Imagine how many people we miss out on though, because we basically grew up with English music and then American music. And now it's all American. Yeah. But imagine, you know, I've, I've had things where people know us in a country and they'll, you know, um, they'll go, Oh, do you know this band from 1968? And they'll be from Norway or something a blues psychedelic band and they're incredible. But of course we would have never heard of them. How would we in 1968 wouldn't have heard of the band from Norway? No. It's never gonna happen. No. And you know, and they're they're people have been making I mean, if you want to go pop music, the Swedes have been making pop music forever, man. As good as anybody else. If we talk at the Australian market who who have you got your eye on? What bands are, yeah. are out and about that you're looking at going, oh, you know, they're 
they're the next, although they should be the next big thing if, if, if the Australian people actually went out and saw live bands. I'm not looking at all. So you, you're uh, not? No, no, nah, nah, I just, I just, I'm interested in my own little world. I mainly listen to old songs. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Where, where, where would I find a new band? Like, where would I find them? It's, once upon a time, it was Triple J. That's yeah. where I knew I could find a new band, a new rock band. They'll definitely be out there. There'll be a rock band somewhere in Australia that's humming. Um, I mean, but, you know, uh, there's bands overseas that do pretty well that are from here. Not in my stylistically, not stylistically, you know, flavoured for me, like Amel and the Sniffers or King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard or whatever they're called. They're massive, man. Oh, oh, massive, massive bands. Like we're nothing compared to them, and they they're going overseas and playing all the time. We we we're going to learn about a sixty-two-year-old band that you don't know about with a sixty-two-year-old singer. You know, we're going to find. Them. It, 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 well, I think I think we're a bit out of the box, to be honest with you. I think my my want to play rock music is what's held us in good stead because I want to do it and I like doing it yeah. and I don't care if I'm 62. Um, you know, and again, once I saw Angry playing at 74, it just made me feel even better. I've still got yeah. my hair, so yeah. that part's all right. <laughs> Cover yeah. the rest of my face with a beard, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, and look, you, still... you know a good new rock band. Well, I, there's a few that I I'm, that I reckon are really good and underrated. Um, there's a Brisbane band called Winchester Revival. They're a really good straight out rock band. And then there's a Sydney band called Avalanche. They're only a young, you know, another young group, and they're very sort of. That... I think I I think I met them. Have they got a girl in them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, she's the I guitarist. I did I meet? Did I meet them in Queensland? Uh, I think I know they went and saw your show in Sydney. So whether or not Sydney maybe you met them was he? Was he a? Uh, he had sort of bushy hair and a beard. This guy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 And he plays the bass. He's the bass player. He's the yeah, and the singer. Right. Was he? Was yeah. his dad in a band called the Avalanche? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yep. I know who they yeah. were, yeah. Yeah, no, so they've just good. taken on the name, have they? They have, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've they've oh, taken awesome. that name on and and off and running and and they're yeah they're doing well. They, they've just finished their well, they're about to finish. They're playing in Melbourne this weekend. Is it the Cherry Bar? Um, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Adrian Campbell. Weekend. Adrian Campbell was the singer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Stephen Campbell is the is the singer now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There you go. I used to go watch his dad play. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, yeah, they're, I met them. they're, I they're great met sounding. Them. I saw them um, on the weekend and um, look, even my wife, who's not really into music um, and she pointed out, she made the comment of how much better they sounded, you know, and how good they sound. Um, but there's them, there's Dangerous Curves, which is a, I think maybe they're, they're Melbourne or Geelong or somewhere. Yeah, I know them. I know yeah, them. They're Geelong, really yeah. good. Um, they're good sounding yeah, band little too. little blondie on, on the vocals. Yeah. 
Yeah. No. I, we were yeah. going to do something. We were going to do something a while back. I was. I wanted to get them in the studio and, you know, see if I could refine them a little bit. But the COVID killed everything, man. Just killed everything. Because you're one thing I've noticed. Like I've seen a few of these bands, and and one thing I've noticed that a lot of them do. They in the studio they sound great. We got a real thick, creamy yeah. bottom end sound. But when you get them live, they feel the need yeah. to speed everything up. And by speeding it up, it right. thins it out. And, yeah. and you've got this, you can't really hear the guitar unless it's on like a boost. It's, it's just, it's, and I don't know if it's maybe, I don't know what it is, but it's sort of like, I, I get what you're trying to do. You're trying to play it a bit more unrestrained, but when you, when you do that, you just, I don't know, you've got to know what songs to do it too. And I think some of these bands, it's just like, oh, I'm playing live. I'm going to play everything faster. And it yeah. loses some of that. Because um, some of them sound great. They, some of their albums sound fantastic. Um, but I just think, I think it's, it's a, I think it's source sounds as well. Like in our band, the two guitars have great guitar sounds. Yeah. So that's your start. Yep. They're your source sounds. And then, like you said, you know, when they get on stage, they they feel like they want to speed it up or whatever. Like, there's just no need to do that. And the other, like, this is a, oh, I've made this mistake too along the way. You go to all the trouble of rehearsing and, you know, you put the hours in and they're long hours and there's beers and there's whatever, and having a laugh, having an argument, whatever. But then a lot of the young bands will go and try and find the cheapest guy they can find to mix them. Uh, like, it's <laughs> ludicrous, man. Yeah. It's ludicrous. So you're throwing all your I effort and energy people, out the door. Yeah. I say, listen, you're all working. Get 50 bucks out of your pocket and pay this guy 200 bucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but we're only getting 150 plays. Don't even care about what you're getting to play. Getting to play is nothing. You should be playing for free. Yeah, yeah. Get, pay your money to your sound guy and have the best guy going so that no one, no one in the audience can go, oh, they sounded shit out. Like, you don't want that. Why are you bothering doing all the rehearsing? Just rock yeah. up one day and play then if you're going to use a $20 mixer just you're going to sound like a $20 band. That's what you're going to do. Yeah. Like just yeah. don't do it. Yeah. No, that, that's good. That's a good tip for a lot of bands. Definitely. Yeah. Man, it's the, yeah. it's the beginning of the end. I'm going here. Yeah. So that would obviously be a good, um, your, your other business now that you're running would obviously be yeah. prime for guys that are, that are at that point where they're trying to get to the next level and they just need someone yes. that's got that seasoned professionalism that can yes. look at it holistically rather than being in it. Yeah. And I just help where I can. I'm not going to kill anyone's dream. There's been a couple of bands that have come in and, you know, maybe they're not so good, but they end up being a little bit better with a bit of thought from me added with more forethought from them. Yeah. And yeah, we've had, We've had some good things. I'm doing a couple more in a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah, and I love that. I love getting in. And I say to them straight away, though, know this. I'm going to come up with a thousand ideas. They're not all going to be good, but you have to try them. Yeah. If you, if you don't want to try what I'm saying, 
and don't have me in there. It's fine. It's totally fine. Just do what you do and that. But I'm going to come up with ideas. So, yeah, and it's it, it works out. We don't go with every idea, but sometimes we do. And it could be as simple as you should double that chorus there, I reckon, or whatever. Something, some, you know, people can say it to me too. And sometimes you just don't think of things, you know, because there's no real... Um, uh, like there's a formula to what you do because your DNA in your band will make that formula. Yeah. But you don't, you don't go, okay, I'm going to write a song today. I'm going to do one verse and then I'm going to do a bridge and then I'm going to do a chorus. Now I'm going to do another verse, but let's make that a half verse. Like that's not how you write a song. You just write it how it feels. And that's why some songs go for four minutes and some songs go for eight minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels okay, and yep. usually when we, usually when we play live, our songs go for twelve minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it feels good that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't feel clinical. It just feels natural. There's nothing clinical. Yeah. No, if it's if it's clinical, it's got the ass. Yeah. No, that's exactly. It, it's. Do you reckon you can sustain being an Aussie band? And just touring Australia these days, if you want to, if you want to get the next level and make, and not have to have another job, this becomes your job. Do you reckon you have to pack up and say, all right, let's try and turn up in Europe and see how we go or. Yeah. Europe. I mean, we, we more made the decision together that Europe was a better way for us. We believe because we had the connections with playing with white snake and stuff. Plus in Europe, if you get in a, in a van in Paris and you drive 10 hours, you've gone yeah. through four countries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Different speaking languages, uh, cultures, yeah. whatever, musical thoughts. But if you get in a car in Melbourne, you're yeah. only driving to Sydney. Yeah, yeah. And and not really. Barry in Melbourne is similar to Barry in Sydney. You're not turning up in a whole different range of foods and cultures. Yes. Yeah. And Barry in America, in New York, is Barry in LA, is oh, Barry in yeah. Wisconsin. That's how <laughs> yep. we, we felt it might be. Yeah. But I, I read this story. I think it was something to do with Michael Gudinski, where. Yeah, because they, they tried their big, luck. Yeah, but they weren't big in America, <clears throat> but in a in a city they were. Yeah. And I they could they could pull fifteen hundred, two thousand to their show. Wow. But they weren't big anywhere else. Yeah. And that's a little bit how we are in Europe. Right. See, I always I always feel like the carrot is very close and you could actually grab it if you just reached up a little bit higher in Europe. We're, we're a hundred people away from making a living out of just playing in Europe. Wow. Now a hundred people don't sound that, it doesn't sound that much, but you got to still get the hundred people to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. we're not on the radio. Yeah. We're yeah. not in a magazine. <clears throat> yeah. That's the thing. Um, the only thing that could, we, we could vis, physic, um, visibly see and physically feel right now is um, Spotify because it tells you what cities you're big in. Oh, so you get a data package. You can sort of start yes. plotting. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, so why, 
you know what don't send we could say to our agent don't send us to italy because we've only got 400 listeners but we've got 2000 listeners in norway send us to norway yeah yep yeah you know that's, what I mean? that's a good insight to have rather than turn it's up the first really, time and, yeah yeah it's a really good insight because people you know probably don't realize we're self-managed self-funded it's 35 grand to get there and get a a van and a crew and a Shit. yeah it's 35 grand so you got to make sure that you make minimum 35 grand in however many shows you you make and then you've got to buy merch and you know it's not an easy no it's not an easy task no, no if it was no. going to be zero every time you left or there was a record company paid for it yeah that would be perfect man we'd be there every five minutes but it's it's just not like that when you're in a band like ours. We need we need to go somewhere with somebody. That would be yeah for me right now in our band. If someone would bother using us as their support, that would be mighty helpful. And that's how it started with White Snake. We did the two shows with them: one in Paris, one in Belgium, and suddenly we had you know, 35 different people saying, well, you can play here, you can play there, you can go. And now, you know, we're France, we're Spain, we're thing. Um, You know, you, you, you're under the Southern Stars tour. You're talking about how that was a big help is when you can tag along as support for other people. When you do a tour like that in Australia, is there an instant noticeable benefit? Does it, does it spark an interest? Does it mean that all of a sudden, like what I've always found interesting is say any band plays a gig like that. And, and what, what's turning up to those sort of shows, 10,000 people, 5,000 less, less than that. Yeah. Wow. I think wow. they're about, I think the, the main bands would have played in front of about three. Really? All those acts yeah, came bet, over for 3000 yeah. people. Yeah. One, um, maybe the one in Brisbane river stage was five. Oh shit! And what? Yeah. What is it? Just what? What from your? You look at that and you go, "Well, is it bad promotion? Is it not enough diversity in the bands? Why? Why wasn't there bigger numbers?" Well, I think there was plenty of diversity. I thought that was good. Yeah. Um, I feel I feel like it had been cancelled a few times. People were worried. Um, people, uh, a lot of people aren't buying pre-sales at the moment. In case you can't Yeah. Yeah, And 40% of people that bought pre-sales aren't turning up. Really? Yeah. 40%. That's That's the number. That's that's massive, man. And so, you know, like us, we, we go on first. Some of those gigs we might play to 1,500 people, but one in Adelaide, I reckon we played to 23 people. Shit. Yeah. Wow. And is that, well, uh, apart from the Adelaide gig, do the other ones help push the brand along at all? Or is it real minimal? Honestly, our Spotify listens have gone up 75 thousand listeners since under the southern stars shit okay so, so got a lot out of it then. so there's a there's a lot more americans too but 
who knows if people that saw um, like on a YouTube or whatever yeah. were playing with Bush or whatever and they just snuck over and went, oh, who's this band they're playing with? I don't know. I don't have a reason for it, but that's a lot of listeners. Like when we had 30,000 for an unknown band, we were pretty happy with that. Yeah. But to yeah. have now, but to now have 100,000 monthly listeners, we're not even signed to anybody. We don't even have a record deal. Yeah. 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 So that's a lot of Do listeners. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a lot of listeners. Is the promotion side of the gigs, well, not so much that one, because obviously that must have cost him money to bring all those acts out. That would have, that would have been quite an expensive, yeah. yeah. But And all the bands play great every day, every day. Wow. If, yeah. if, if you look at the, the normal promotional tour, so when you turn up in Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney and any of the regionals, does it fall on your hands to do all of the promotion if you're turning up at, at a gig and where the gig is yeah, just like, here's the room, you sort it out. We're not going to help you in any way, but here's the, here's the room. It's a little bit like that. See, and that I think is that's a bit shit. It's shit out because now you're relying on social media so much, be yep. it uh, Instagram or Facebook or whatever, but you don't know who's seeing it. Ex- yeah, yeah. You know? And the thing is that's mind-boggling with me, I'll, you know, I'm obviously doing it wrong, but we'll record a new song and I'll put a snippet up of the recording and I think it's great. And, you know, a hundred people reply. I'll put up a picture of the dog eating a shoe and 400 <laughs> people reply. It's, it, yeah, I know. It's shit shit. That, that's, it doesn't, it's, yeah. It's, and then you'd go try pay for it, you know, with your... Um, oh, to boost your ads and, and stuff, yep, yep. And, you know, do they work either? I think rock and roll is not a young man's sport anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I was so excited over the COVID period where, you know... I, right, what we're going to do is we're just going to have, like we did with Shotgun Mistress, we're just going to have two bands and we're going to play for an hour and a half and we're yep. going to play. Yep. No one wants to see it here, man. No one wants to see you play for an hour and a half. If you're in Europe and you don't play for an hour and a half, you're getting the question, hey, hey you better get back on stage, mate. Well, what are you doing? See, that's that's weird because to me, it feels more. If I if I go somewhere and I see yourselves or the baby animals or the screaming jets or any of those bands and you, you've got that big stint, it feels it's an event. It's not yeah. just get them through, get them through. It just feels more. Yeah. So that's really strange that people don't yeah, want they that. They don't want that. Uh, in Australia, they just want you to play for an hour. That's all they want. Yeah, there's got to be, uh, I don't know, you know, when, when tides turn and cultures change and all of a sudden Levi jeans become trendy again, there's got to be, there's got to be some sort of metaphysical shift that can, can <laughs> change something because it's too good. We do it too well to, to not, it, it just shits me to tears that you look at all these bands and you go, you can't make a proper career out of it here and we do it just yeah. as good as anyone else. Uh, I just, we do I, have yeah. bands. We do have bands overseas, though, that are Australian. That me and you don't know, but they're 
they live there because they won't live here. Oh. You got to remember too. There's only twenty. How many people live here? Twenty-five million. million. Yeah, twenty-five 20, million. Yeah, yep. Nothing, man. We're the same size as America, and they had three hundred and something million. Yeah. People, yep. and you know, if you get a percentage of that three hundred million, it's I don't very know how many people live yeah. in people live in Victoria is. You know, I don't know, five million, six million, whatever, but they're spread out. And, you know, we've got the kids don't, the kids have other things to do too now. There's yeah. other things to do. It's a different era. Like, even when I was a kid, no one went overseas. Who would go overseas? You couldn't yeah. pay for it anyway. Yeah. Now everyone's got a credit card. <laughs> they just go overseas, hang the expense, I'll pay it back later. Yeah. You know what I mean? what they 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 sort of do what they want to do is that do you think that fm radio has a big like to me i i i can't listen to it anymore i listen to rebel fm if i'm going to listen to it but i can't listen now that that's that's a good rebel fm was playing um was playing the king of rock and roll now I'd never heard of Rebel FM before that they have about 40 stations though don't they yeah so they're based on the gold coast but they've, they're big and sort of from, from the coast up and out. So they go right out, right. the big and the regionals. Um, right. But, yeah, they've got a whole swag. They've got a whole range of, of state. I think they go down now too. I'm sure they might go down to like regional New South Wales. Wow. Um, and, and it's just all rock music and you will hear obscure stuff. Like you'll hear live versions um, whenever they play something by, say, Mellencamp or Springsteen. They're not playing what Triple M has already played you know, and it's worn a hole in the record, they're going to play something as a fan would like. Um, so yeah. to their credit, they, they do a better job. But there's, there's still there's guys like yourself and all these other Australian bands. I, I would just look at it from a business perspective and say, uh, if we're a radio station and we're competing now with what people want to listen to on demand, well, we either have to make our name on personalities as hosts or we've got to make our name because you're going to hear something here that you wouldn't have heard if you were listening to your own playlist. Yeah. And they're not doing yeah. that. They're, they're, I just yeah. baffles me. They're still playing this, the song Smash Mouth from the Shrek movie as if it's new rock. <laughs> so, yeah. I just don't get it. I really can't get that. And I hate that song anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do too. I, I just, like Triple M, you know, sort of was a glimmer of hope at one point in time, but now it's just, uh, I don't and even so was tri- so was Triple J though. Triple well, J was a massive, massive glimmer of hope. When, when grunge was arrived, wow. Yeah, true. That's yeah, you heard yeah. all those, yeah. you know, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, yep. Radiohead, you know, um, was Oasis around then? Like, where's that band now though? Where's yeah. that band that has, a Liam Gallagher fronting them. Yep. Like, where are they? Yeah. And and if they're not going to bring them to us, we'll never hear of them. No. And the thing is, if you, if for English music now in the rock sense, from, from the things I see on Facebook, they've gone quite 80s hair rock. Oh, not in the look, yeah. but in their sound. Like, their they're English the rock that I see, and I could be totally wrong, but is more like um, who is a band I was just thinking of, you know, like Guns N' Roses sort of music and stuff like yep. that. 
Yeah, like that LA sort of sound, eh? That they've yeah. gone the LA sound. Yep. Yeah, that's what English do now, and they don't need to do that because they've always been the inventors of cool. Yeah, always, always. Now you name all the great rock bands, and they all come from England. But maybe it's well, a cycle. Think of, but... Yeah, think about. Do you know an English rock band now that you no. love? That's new. No. No, I wouldn't no. know of any. No, no. I mean, and that's where Again, the Marshall stack came from. It's, yeah, yeah, mate. That's Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, um, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, The Who, you know, Bowie, Alton John, Pink Floyd, like the list goes on. Queen, yeah. the list goes on and on, on and on. The Beatles, the Stones. The yeah. you know, Fleetwood Mac, even for the start, just there's the got to be something, there's got to be something over there that we're not hearing. You'd think that are having the same battles and struggles. I think the kids have moved on, man. You know, hip hop's a big thing, RB's a big thing. Um, the way you make singing now is a big thing. Look, if you watch The Voice. You've seen the same kids in the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one gets okay. on there and s- sings a free song. Free, there's another band. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yep. You know? Yeah. Where's Billy Thorpe here? Where's yeah. Billy Thorpe? Like, where's that kid? Yeah. Well, that's 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 just what I, I just think that they're out there. We're, we're just, they're just struggling. No one's, I don't know. I just don't. I don't know the answer for it, but I just, you know, and I'm not even a musician, but you just sort of feel, I don't know. You just feel like there should be something that there's got to be some way that it can, it can come back and thrive again. It's just with 20, like I know 25 million isn't many people, but it should be enough people. I mean, you look at it and you go, well, how many people were in Australia in 1960? Well, we were making Fords, Holdens and Chryslers here. We've got a lot more people here now and we make nothing. Zilch. (laughs) So you sort of go, there's got to be, there's got to be a way we can do something. Yeah. You know, what gets me mostly about that. During the COVID period, I took a job um, moving new cars off, off the ships. Oh, right. They'd come off the ships and then I'd move them. And I still work for them sometimes a couple of days a week. There's just in Melbourne, there's five places. Like there's thousands of new cars from other countries, countries coming here. And I think exactly what you said. If there's thousands of new cars coming here and we're buying them, why don't we just buy them from Ford or Holden? Yeah. Like, why don't we? Why is it that we can't? Yeah. It, it, it became about the almighty dollar, man. And the almighty dollar is the killer with music as well. It's just so frustrating. And, and uh, you know, for you, someone like yourself would be more so because you're in it. It's your world. Yeah, and and I've seen the way the other people lived in the 70s and the 80s, you know. Fuck, in the 80s, if you didn't get signed, it was a miracle because there was that much money around. Every band got signed, you know. That's what happened. Uh, The problem is... You know, there was a few people that used to sign people and never do anything with them. 
just to get them out of the way of the people they wanted to do things for. Ah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, was well-known, man. Let's, let's, let's pick up this guy and actually take him off the market. We'll, let him, we'll put him in a studio, do some songs and that. But he's actually competing with this guy who we're really going to push. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that stuff definitely happened, man. Well, if uh, yeah, I hope I hope one day we we come across or there's a there's another cycle. I remember back in the late nineties, I think yeah, late nineties, early two thousand, there was that bit of a that rock revival sort of, and radio started playing. You know, when they had that, um, they did that tour. Was it the M one or M? Yeah, was, yeah. Did that. Oh, you did, did that as that, well. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Tea yeah. Party was on there. Billy Idol. Um, was it Midnight yeah, well, Oil? Midnight Oil were probably on it. There was two. There was a pop one where Natalie and Brulia played and oh. Pink and stuff like that. And then oh. there was a rock one. Oh, okay. Well. So, yeah, there was two of them going at the same time. But that was like a little glimmer of radio picked up a few new bands. and I mean, they're American, but yep. that, that rock revival sort of came in a bit. And, um, you know, it was at a time when... Yeah, you know, bands could could easily turn up and fill up a room. It wasn't an issue. You know, we just like doing it because we like playing that sort of music. So yeah, you know, we don't really change or we just do what we do. And we and and it's a the thing with rock music is also as hip hop people found out when they decided that well, let's just take an old song and we'll just talk over the top of it and make oh. the chorus of what you know they didn't write anything new. They already yeah. had the groove laid yeah. down for them and they just had to be a good rapper. Um, yeah. But, but you've got to remember, rock music's now been around for 60 years and quite possibly, you know, the best songs have probably have been, been written. written. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what happens with that is, it doesn't mean you give up because what happens is the DNA of four members or five members that get together and when that clicks right, you know, they're suddenly new. I mean, we can't, I can't pick up the guitar now and say, you know, let me take you down because I'm going to, because it's already been done. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't make you stop, but it, it's extremely hard yeah, to come up with something new yeah. that yeah. hasn't been said before. Yeah, um, but you know that's the joy of when you do do something that you think's okay. That's the joy. Well, and look, to, to your credit, all your stuff sounds fresh. It sounds of its own. It's so you you know obviously you prove you can do it. I'm going to let you go. I've held you up for way too long. Um, and I've really enjoyed it. It's been, totally it's been cool. fantastic to talk to you and get that insight that so many layers, you know, like it just, there's so much to it. People don't appreciate what goes on behind the scenes. So when um, to grab it from yourself yeah, was, the, was uh, you know, it was great. I really appreciate your time. Yeah, no, no problem at all, man. Anytime. You got another, any other planned trips up Queensland way? Uh, not for the minute. Um, Europe in um, August and September, and then we'll have a look at next year as well. Wow. Yeah, I think see. we might have to start getting a few more um, 
you know what might be able to entice people to want to come out? Maybe. Maybe if you could get a couple of bands around your ilk to play, like a double header shows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, can you, uh, you know, like a, I don't know, I'm just going to throw this off the top of my head. Electric Mary, Dallas Crane. They, they tend to do well, yeah. those big, or when Electric you line Mary. them up. Yeah, Electric Mary come up and play with the poor or something. I don't know. Or who, you know, something of the same ilk and the same. You just have the two bands on, you know, you play for an hour each and, and your show's done. And you and you don't you don't play too late. You know what I mean? The late yeah. ones, they're always a killer. They're a killer. Yeah. No, I, Not I, for me. I don't care. I don't care. But the people, it's funny, someone said the other day, oh, you know, I want to... I want to go see what's the name, but he's playing on a school night. <laughs> and I said to him, mate, you're 55. You don't go to school. Right? You don't go to school. And if you're telling me that going out one night to see a band is going to be the death of you, you're joking. You've yeah. got to be joking. Yeah. Because, you know, go to work Go to work a bit tired. Yeah. Who cares? So get to bed early the you'll next night. Up, you'll catch up to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so dumb. It really shits me that stuff. Yeah. No, Mate, I, we used I, to go I, out Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But yeah, I think maybe that's that's the answer for some of the keeping. Like I noticed when you get, um, like I know the uh, the Jets and the Baby Animals did a tour together, and then I think was it Rose Tattoo and the Angels did one together. Um, and they were big shows, like the ones on the coast yeah. anyway. They were they were both packed out, you know, yeah. so it's... Yeah, that's what you got to do, man. So it's, um, maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's the way forward is just and finding the right venue because what's what's the sweet spot for you to come up? What's, how many people are we talking that you need in that venue for it to be feasible? Oh, you know, you want minimum 200s. The threes and fours are good, you know. Yeah. Okay. It's not, not easy to get that though. Well, if, you, if you put two hundred and fifty in Mo's, perfect. Yeah, and that that should house that, no problem. Easy. It's a rock and gig, you know. Yeah. Anything. I, you know, we haven't been in a state for four or five years now. You got to remember, Jeez, wow. we lost. Well, we lost over two years. Yeah, true. Yeah. Of our time, man. Yeah. Two years. Like we don't no one really thinks about it now. But when you when yeah. you're in it, that was a long time, man. Yeah. And it wasn't good for people's mental health. Oh no. No. And especially like you guys in Melbourne, you were locked up a lot harder than people up here were. Yeah. You know, here yeah. it was a gentle, oh please don't go out. But down there it was was far more severe. Hey, we weren't allowed to drive five K. Yeah, and, that, and, and that's, now yeah. to to help now to punish us even more, we're allowed out now, but petrol's two dollars forty five the other day. <laughs> you can't <laughs> afford to drive five k anymore. Anyway, well, if you end up here next time, hopefully I get to catch up with you when you're up in up this oh, way we next. Will. We'll definitely, we'll grab a coffee somewhere. Yeah, for sure. And 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 look, your shout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, look. Thank you for your time, mate. You know, it's been unbelievable to get that deep insight with a with an industry icon. All right. Thanks thank again. You, hey, I'll speak to you soon. All right, brother. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks very much for listening to the podcast. If you liked the show, please do share it with someone. It is the only way that this show is going to grow is by people spreading and sharing. And as you hopefully have discovered, every episode is vastly different to the other. There is no one set format on this show. You can find out more about Bumping Into by visiting the website bumpingintocomau If you want to find out more about Electric Mary, by all means, stream a song, download an album, head to their website, electricmary.com, buy a t-shirt, check out one of their live shows, get out there and support this music while it's still in the country and they all aren't packing up and heading overseas to make their name over there. This, This is what we do best, people. Get out there and support live music. Thanks very much once again for listening to the show. I'll catch up with you in a few weeks' time.